Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We get live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 145. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. Back this week and thrilled to be joined by Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr. Fellas, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing really well. I have two updates. One, tomorrow, today when this podcast drops, the indoor volleyball season begins. Uh, I Our intention is to not be the worst team in the league by a country mile, though I expect it to be the case because we have two new team members I've never met before. So it's going to be a work in progress. I'm looking forward to that. And then two, uh, my wife and I booked our belated honeymoon trip to Europe uh, for September and October. We're going to Northern Italy and Greece. So Greeks who listen to the podcast, reach out get in touch. Well, we'll find a way. I'll probably post about it on the Monday morning media roundup. Reach out with suggestions. Anybody, please. I would uh, take anything on. So, but it's been good by us. Yeah, it's been fine over here this morning. Sterling and I made banana cinnamon French toast and that turned out really well. I had not made, it was a new recipe. So I was like, whatever, we'll just try it. And I was just in the mood for French toast. And Sterling was like, I want to help. Okay, sure. If you're willing to get dirty, like this is going to be one where your hands are going to be dirty. If if you're fine with that, yeah, we can do it. And he he understood it. He understood making sure that the bread was fully submersed, got it fully coated, got it soaked in, let it sit there for a while to let it soak. It was great. Yeah, he did a great job of helping. So and it turned out pretty well. I think there was only like two out of the like twelve slices that was like bad. One I think one of those just because of the heat. I just had it the temperature too high. So then I burned it, then I turned it down too much. And then that one just like took too long to cook. I was like, screw it. We're going to bump it up a little bit. And then we got it. So yeah, it was, it was a good morning breakfast for everyone. Banana cinnamon French toast. Highly recommend. Did you, do you mash bananas or how do you get the banana? Do you put, like, I, I threw, yeah. Through? So I threw the banana. I cracked the egg, put uh, the egg in there, the milk, what else was in there? Vanilla extract and cinnamon. And I just put it in a blender uh-huh. and then I just put it on the puree setting very good. We actually made French toast this morning as well. I think I think it might have been inspired by your story. My wife was like, well, we should make French toast today. And I looked, I was like, oh, did you see Kyle was making French toast this morning? She's like, yeah, maybe. So thank you for the inspo. No problem. Yeah, I just really wanted French toast this morning. And instead of ordering it, I could just make it myself. It's very easy to make. Well, that's just I'm, time consuming. I don't know if this was intentional or not, Kyle, but was this sort of a, your veiled way of bringing us around to the Sergi Baca conversation by bringing us to cooking? I mean, look, we talked about it in the uh, roundtable about who is the most cooked. 
maybe and we talked about Serge Ibaka in our chat. We talked about how maybe it was Giannis insulting Serge Ibaka on his own show that is leading to this, uh, where we are at now. Who knows? It's not I, the best transition, but I thought that uh, Giannis saying that to Serge was a really probably helpful it seems Serge didn't get over it but sometimes it's good to be a little level set I think uh at times <laughs> even if the feedback can hurt sometimes it can be helpful but apparently he really did take it to heart because he's away for personal reasons and is not coming back to the team which is you know whatever his prerogative well we're not going to spend much time on it Riley any thoughts on the on Serge being gone mm, not particularly he uh we knew we knew within about five minutes of his last, his being here last year, it was, it was done. There was nothing to give. So uh, <laughs> it was odd that we brought him back. Uh, I'm confused. Cause you have to, I have to imagine we told him, Hey, you're probably not going to play a lot. <laughs> and he came back and then he didn't play a lot. And then he got mad about it. It's whatever. It's, it's a bit strange bucks and like disgruntled end of the bench dudes who think they should be playing a lot more name, a more iconic duo. We, there is none. So uh, <laughs> Serge is just Bucks another and getting yeah. mad at every single thing possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is, that is certainly the case. Well, at least we didn't have to be mad last Monday, I think, or Tuesday, but with the Bucks beat the, beat the Knicks 111, 107. If you can remember all the way back then, it was a little bit happier times. Giannis had 22, 10 and five in that one. Uh, but some of the, more promising parts of that game were Drew Holiday coming up big after not making a ton of shots for the rest of that game. He comes back, makes some big shots in the fourth quarter. Joe Ingles looks good, 17 points uh, on 14 shots. Come back from 17 down at one point. Um, but overall, just a a solid comeback win at a time for a team that the, the team probably needed it, Kyle, beating a, beating a Knicks team that, that's been pretty hot lately. Yeah, I think it was important to kind of see what Milwaukee could do. And it was kind of tough just because they weren't necessarily playing poorly. It was just Jalen Brunson was really, really good. It was going to be one of those games. So it's like, okay, he's just going to get hot and this is going to be frustrating. I don't know what Milwaukee can do to come back. And I think it was just, they kept it simple. And in the fourth quarter, especially, it seemed as though all the offense was finally clicking. And a lot of that had to do with Joe Ingles, especially, uh, I mean, think he had like 17 points and he had a lot of timely threes. It felt like he only made five, but they all felt like they were huge threes at the end before Drew kind of took over the last two and a half minutes. But I think that was just kind of the thing. It was just the offense just finally was able to put together a stretch of getting consecutive baskets. And it's not like the Knicks were unable to do so. It just felt like Milwaukee, other than Jalen Brunson, it was kind of a, well, hope Julius Randle gets a shot, but he did not shoot the ball well. And it kind of worked out in Milwaukee's favor that that kept happening. It seemed as though when the offense was more let Joe Ingles initiate, the ball movement was much better and it looked like a better team. Um, and then I think that was just like the key thing about it was having Joe. This is when Joe Ingles was brought out, I was very pessimistic because it's like you're asking this 35 year old dude that wasn't super athletic to begin with to come off an ACL injury and become a key X factor in your playoff run. And apparently, yes, that is what can happen because he was the catalyst for everything that happened in the second half. And I mean, he's like I said, his playmaking, his ability to run a pick and roll. I think it allowed the Bucks to do a little bit more offensively that they haven't been able to do as well. And they also cut down the turnovers, which helps a lot. They still had 14, but 
considering most games they were considering most games they had 14 in the first half this is a much better improvement to see so i yeah i think it was just timely contribution from the bench along with taking care of the ball which allows you to get 38 points in the fourth quarter and i i do think it was one of those where we saw with the raptors and bulls game that a large lead um does not always mean you're going to win the game and sometimes a large lead me a large deficit means you're not going to automatically lose the game joe ingles he's probably going to stick around past the trade deadline if there was going to be a week where you're like is it going to come together this was probably the week where i said okay there's potential here now the potential is exists almost exclusively in his pairing with Giannis because in the heat games especially he can initiate offense but somebody else has to like move around to make it happen. The number of times where an offensive possession would be him at the <laughs> at the top of the key and just like looking around like anybody going to do anything and then you <laughs> have a, a looping pass and then of course the offense gets bogged down. But his pairing with Giannis in such short time uh really promising because all it takes is a little bit of off-ball movement on the pick and roll. Joe doesn't need to beat his defender in terms of foot speed. He just needs to get a little separation and then know where Giannis is going to be coming in. Previously, Chris was the only guy who could reliably throw a lob to Giannis. And even then, it would sometimes be a little dicey. The fact that we now have two guys, it's it's like a we're doubling. <laughs> We've doubled the number of guys who can pass to Giannis. And that I think that that is going to matter in the playoffs for an offense that quite plainly cannot generate offense or like generate a lot of opportunities um, organically. So yeah, really promising from Joe Ingles. And also another sign of Giannis being a good teammate or understanding playing to somebody else's strengths. He would defer to Joe Ingles a lot down the stretch. Uh, He's like, okay, this is going to be way easier for us to be able to get the win instead of me bludgeoning my way, which is what I had to do essentially the rest of the game, just defer to this guy. And I think (laughs) Like, what was it? He only made six baskets, I think, and he got most of his points from the free throw line. But a couple of the baskets that he did get were just off of, like, creating enough space through Joe Ingles, giving it to him. So um, the Knicks game was the start, uh, but I think promising early signs again, continuing with Joe Ingles. The defense is still a bit of a work in progress, but we'll see how that goes. Um, But no, pretty good from Joe Ingles, at least. Yeah, I think I... I, I said this in our Discord chat, but I think he's the best pick and roll ball handler we've ever had in the Bud era. I, I think his his ability to capably run the pick and roll and be able to pass or play make out of it. Uh, I mean, I I think Drew's underrated as an assist man because his assists have always been pretty good. But I don't I don't think he can really works the floor quite as well as Joe Ingles. And if you watch that that third quarter, I think of the Knicks game, they run like the same play twice. It's a Giannis and um, Joe Ingles side pick and roll basically about probably like three minutes left. They run it with Bobby being someone who's cutting across to the, to the left corner. They run it on the right side and then um, Joe is able to give it to uh, Giannis and he's able to dunk it. And they run it a few, few minutes later, Pat's the guy who's in the Bobby place. They kick it over to, to Pat out of that same exact action. Pat gets a wide open three pointer and pick and roll has never been a huge part of the Bucks offense under bud. We've always ranked in, top 10 in terms of percentage of times we run it. But it, when it gets into crunch time and it's these playoff games and this offense is starving for frankly, any sort of movement, it's just, it's just nice. Like you said, Riley, to have two 
and Drew at times too, but it's nice to have two people who you feel confident when you give them the ball, they're going to be able to move around. And I think like you said, Kyle, it, it feels a little infectious at times when he's on the floor doing it. Like the, the other players seem to be able to get some more motion and the offense just looks more fluid. It's weird because there was a stretch where they were passing the ball around. Joe gave it to, I think it was either Grayson or Pat and they had it wide open and they decided not to shoot. They decided to give it back to Joe who was wide open and he didn't want to shoot. He's like, no, someone else take the shot. It was kind of funny because it was one of those where I've never seen the ball move this much. And yet it's frustrating because you both have an open look for three and neither of you are taking it. And I think it eventually led to Brooke taking a three and making it. So it was just one of those where everyone seems to be getting involved. And I think it was also the personnel that was out there. I think that does suit Milwaukee a little bit more as you can kind of run more of a spaced out offense as well. If you have Joe Ingles running a pick and roll with Giannis, and then you still have Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Brooke Lopez, all able to kind of be out on the perimeter. It, it does help with the offense as well, that it seems as though they can't pack the paint as much because now you have this guy that can run a pick and roll and you can either, you know, compact the paint and leave a shooter open or try and go under and let someone take that three, which happened a few times where Joe Ingles was kind of able to take it in if the defender went under on the pick and roll, he would be able to pull up for three. So it works out so much better when you have that personnel. And I guess that's kind of what was probably envisioned when they brought him in. And I see why it made sense. I'm still concerned. Like Riley said with the defensive side, how much of a defensive loss are they going to be able to cope with? But when it comes to playoff time, I mean, you're going to need someone that can capably run a pick and roll. And it's very rare that we've seen that in Milwaukee it's good to have that in your back pocket as long as you have the right personnel surrounding him. Don't be confused though. That doesn't mean that everybody else is suddenly like a much crisper decision maker because he can give the ball to somebody else and Pat or Grayson or Bobby will take it and they will literally like collect themselves when the best decision would be either shoot it right away or just keep the ball moving. You should have that second instinct of, all right, just keep it moving down the line because Bobby will get it. He'll set his feet as he's deciding, am I going to shoot or whatever? And then the advantage is kind of lost. So that's what you hope you see improvement on is the rest of the guys, as the team gets healthier or starts playing in more consistent lineups, they can make decisions a little bit quicker because that's, that's the only way we're going to be able to get the role guys like decent looks consistently that aren't, you know, driving into the heart of a defense or Bobby, like, weird stepping in and kind of like, Oh, navigating, then taking a random mid ranger, which is all fine occasionally, but you would like to see it be crisper because Joe Angles is kind of out there initiating it. Um, whether or not they ever reach that point, we're going to have to see. And maybe once it's Chris and Joe and Giannis and Drew and Brooke, it won't matter. Cause you'll have Joe, who's the quick decision maker. And then three like big offensive guys. And then Brooke is like the break glass in case of emergency. So you get the theory of what's going to happen just with the role players or the other tertiary guys right now. It's not super duper crisp. Yeah. And you, it's a great point because you kind of hope a lot of those role players are just so used to stand in my square when I get ball. It's, shoot. That's what you, that's what you saw in the heat game. That's literally most of what it was is just a lot of static. Okay, let's see what Joe Ingles does. Guys, Joe Ingles is an old man. He is so close to retirement. <laughs> he is not going to be out there like 
<laughs> moving the defense around with his physicality. You need to help him out. And if if they start doing that, I think it'll benefit them, make it easier for them, better shots, and it also plays into his strengths as a creator. Um, but yes, there's there's a lot of um, bad habits, or not bad habits, but there's a lot of habits in that regard that they're going to have to break out of. Well, it was certainly a quieter game against the Hawks for Joe Ingles, but Drew Holiday, who's who's back and hopefully is back fully recovered from his non-COVID illness that sounded really rough, uh, w- was huge in that game. The Bucks win 114-105. You know, Drew has 27 points on 10 of 21 shooting, hits big shots late. The Bucks lead almost that entire game. The Hawks finally get a lead. I think it's like 103-101 late in the game. All of a sudden, the Bucks rip off a, a 10-0 run, which is just like so Bucksy. And they, they've, they've blown a big lead at one point, And then all of a sudden, they make a huge run. Drew hits a 3 Javon Carter hits a late three. There's some points in between. Brooke has 20 points in that game. Uh, the, you know, the interesting thing about that one, though, Kyle, is the Bucks win, but Giannis only has seven points, 18 boards and 10 assists. Probably So his lowest scoring point total since 2016, but the Bucks are able to, to pull it out. So kind of a wonky game, but always good to get the W, obviously. Yeah, it was one of those where, and Atlanta didn't have Trey Young, so part of that helps Milwaukee because you don't, have to worry about the floating the floater aspect to pull up three aspect like it seems like Trey Young has that gravity to him that it kind of messes in Trey Young has had a history of causing Milwaukee problems so that's one side but it then allows Atlanta to probably do more within the offense kind of let other people try and have a go at it and the weirdest part with Giannis though is it's not as though Atlanta was doing anything particularly well it's not it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Nick Nurse, War Criminal, or Eric Spolstra. <laughs> We're just going to throw four guys at Giannis and slow him down. It was kind of, yeah, we'll double him every once in a while, and we're going to not let him get a full head of steam into the lane. But, it, yeah, they didn't really do much. And, I mean, Giannis got 10 assists, so it's not as though he was ineffective. He was still getting 10 assists. He only had one turnover. Um, so that was really good to see. So I think it was just one of those where, again, if you're, if you have someone else that's doing well, like Brooke Lopez is hitting threes, he's four of six, Drew Holiday seemed to get buckets at will, especially later on. Javon Carter was hitting his shots. Like if other guys are able to contribute, then so be it. I know Giannis also had issues with fouls as well. Cause he had, I think he was in foul trouble for a good chunk of that, but I don't know. This game was weird because. It's not as though Atlanta did anything particularly different. It just seemed as though a few of the shots fell and Milwaukee's offense kind of hit a rut when Giannis wasn't out there. I think it was – I don't remember. I think it was when Drew and Giannis were both sitting where Atlanta kind of did most of its damage in the third quarter, which, yeah, that makes sense. It's going to happen. But I don't know. It, It didn't feel like Atlanta did anything special to Giannis. It just seemed as though Giannis wasn't as aggressive trying to get his shot like we have seen from him all season long, but he was able to get the assist and still put himself in positions to get the ball out to his teammates and not make a dumb, force a dumb turnover. I don't know, Kyle. Atlanta did have one special, one special tool, a guy who went through and he turned back the clock and it, it looked like he was wearing red and white again uh, in the fourth Chris. quarter. It looked like 
<laughs> it looked like he might lead Atlanta to victory over the hometown team. Frank Kaminsky turning the clock back, uh, <laughs> hitting God. two threes, and then really celebrating in Giannis's face after one of them, which is risky, but I appreciate the the cojones to do that. Um, <laughs> I genuinely had forgotten that he that he played and played. So it was well. a, it was literally it was all he did <laughs> no. was just the fourth quarter, and it, I mean, it was well timed. But that's literally all he did. The there was a stretch game. where the Bucks were just getting cooked by like Bobby was getting cooked <laughs> by Frank, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" It was and I did me- not. <laughs> well, no, you go, Kyle. I was going to say, I wasn't on Twitter, but I I got on Twitter after the game and just saw everyone being pissed off. And I was like, well, good thing the Bucks won, because my goodness, everyone wanted to fire Bud right then and there, it seemed as though. So I was glad I wasn't on Twitter, but yeah, getting cooked by Frank Kaminsky was not good. That was not pretty. Trade surge for Frank. Frank <laughs> so, tank. Take that back. Take that back. It was giving me finals vibes again because I remember every minute that they had him on the floor, I was like screaming at the TV. I was like, kill him, Giannis. Kill Frank Kaminsky. And we just couldn't do it. I was like, this is the stupidest sport I've ever watched in my life. Um, His like decent game six is like the <laughs> smallest stupid subplot of the finals. <laughs> Um, so Frank Kaminsky aside, uh, <laughs> the so like Giannis has had trouble a couple of times with Atlanta, mostly because of in the past Onyeka Onkongu. Um, this time it seemed that Atlanta would switch pretty quickly, and then Giannis just kind of got bottled up or didn't really feel like forcing it, which is fine because everybody else is playing fine around him. Obviously, um, he only took two shot attempts in the fourth quarter. Also, kind of. We've seen that theme a couple of times from Giannis where the game kind of gets tight and he doesn't take the shots. Uh, the main thing was, I think Marjan struggled a little bit defensively. Uh, seemed like he struggled against uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich or whoever his matchup was. I like the theory still of what Marjan is on defense. The execution is still a little lacking. Um, so that kind of, he was in there for a lot of the Hawks run back. Uh, and then for Milwaukee, it was like Javon Carter's bad until he's good at the very end, which is a good time to be good. But, um, you know, there's nothing super remarkable about that. I think both the Knicks game and the Hawks game added to the tally of quote unquote tough games that they won this year, probably tougher than they needed to be ultimately. Um, but credit to the Bucks for not turning it over a lot until the second half, which again helps bring Atlanta into it. Everything looked good up until we just stopped caring. And then we were able to start caring again at the very end, um, which is good. I would be curious about us playing them with Trey Young out there because I believe the last time we played them, the Hawks ran us ragged. It was look, I was like, man, we look old as the Hawks are just putting it on a dunk show. Uh, so definitely a different kind of team without Trey Young out there. Uh, whether or not we beat the successful if he was out there. It's an open question, but it seems like there's a lot of problems in Atlanta. So who knows if that's even a problem we have to worry about. So, yeah, this was, I mean, it was nice to see Javon at least hit some shots. He had been in an awful rut for a long time. And I, I actually thought Bud made a good call playing him over Ingles, I think, late in the game. Because, I mean, Ingles was doing some decent stuff, but I thought uh, they needed like Javon's peskiness on defense to try and disrupt uh, Bogdan and whoever else. And, it was making making Joe look a, a little old defensively at that time, and um, you know I don't know. It was a strange game. Bucks win. You know that's all you can take away from it. Drew Holiday makes it, that was I think that was the game he made the crazy behind the backboard. Yeah, the, over the backboard. Yeah. yeah, 
that I mean, he's just getting even more. That should tell you that he's like, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take he, this awful he's, shot. He's so reliable for making the stupidest crap you've ever seen. You're like, it's a classic. No, no, no. Yes, guy. Uh, and it's, it's a hard attack on the court, but as long as he does the yes part in the fourth quarter, that's all that matters, I guess. And then, uh, and then there were these heat games. <laughs> 108 102 loss on Thursday 111 95 loss on Saturday I mean you, you put it the best Kyle these were these were scheduled losses and they should be treated as such I mean the Miami the first Miami one was on a back-to-back in Miami no Giannis or Joe I don't know what you were like I don't know what you expected if you expected the Bucks to win I, I had said on I had <laughs> tweeted if you have any expectations that the Bucks are going to win, you got to dial them back. These are going to be the two most scheduled losses that you're going to see. And we, t- Riley and I talked about it last week. Someone's going to walk in still drunk at shoot around. Like it, I, I don't know what you could take away. I mean, it was good that the Bucks were competitive and they were in the games most of the time until midway through the fourth quarter. And that's when the wheels would start falling off in both games. This happened. So I don't know. It, it, does it make I, I don't have any there's nothing to take from these games. The the one thing I would take two things, actually, one, Jimmy Butler is not super impressive these days, and I'll probably come to bite us in the ass if we end up playing on the playoffs. But it seems like he's a lot of drive and kick ineffective guy nowadays Um on offense, at least. Uh, but again, he'll probably roast us alive if we play them. <laughs> Bam Adebayo, when we bounced the heat in four games, looked fra- afraid. He looked scared. Unfortunately for us, it looks like he's like better at decision making. And that's going to be a problem potentially because he would get the ball at like just inside the key. And Brooke would be two or three feet off of him. And he would immediately make the right read of like getting an open shot up just constantly or um, he would like back out to get to somebody to hand the ball off or whatever. And it also seems like he knows how to be like utilize his athleticism. Now all of this, if he's the only guy who's really tearing us apart, that's probably okay. But the bam of a couple of years ago where I was just laughing because he just had no idea what to do. Mm, it might, <laughs> we'll have to see if Brooke can kind of summon it. And again, Giannis wasn't out there the whole, like, there's a lot of factors to it, but something to keep an eye on. And also the Heat are literally 15 guys deep of dudes who I would not be surprised if they made 33s against us in a game or something like that. Like Tyler Harrow wasn't out there. Um, I know uh, Robinson sucks now, but like it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Max Struess, obviously Gabe Vincent. Like the number of guys that you just look at him once, you're like, he's going to go easily eight for nine from three in this game. And uh, that's something that would also concern me a playoff series, but um, otherwise not much else to really take from it. I don't think. I mean, Gabe Vincent, a career high on Thursday, 28 points. And then he, he follows it up with 27 on Saturday. Like, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> why? Like, because why? that's just how <laughs> things go. <laughs> I know it just stinks. You go in and you're like, Oh yeah. Gabe Vincent's going to go off today. That's right. We're going to, we're going to lose this game. It, uh, I mean, I, I actually, Thursday was one of the strangest, most honestly awful offensive games to have to watch for the Bucks. Like I almost preferred the Raptors game because at least there was a little bit of like offensive variety there. This one was like, chuck it up, 
basically like they were just running a three-point practice. It, it was absolutely crazy. Cleveland Glass had them at two shots at the rim for the Bucks. Two shots. <laughs> I've never, ever seen that before. That Legs is... are too tired. They're not putting in the effort to get to lane. Like, nah, let's just chuck this three instead. <laughs> That is wild. It's so, so, so bad. And then it it also didn't help that, like, no, I mean, they finally adjusted this in the second half of the second game on Saturday, where instead of, like, having Brooke or Bobby flash to the free throw lane to try and break the zone, they finally had, like, Drew do it, so someone who is capable as a ball handler and a decision maker. I mean... It was really rough watching them try to get anything past Miami zone, which credit to them, they were flying around. They made it seem really hard, but it is infinitely harder when you don't have the perfect free throw line flashing guy in Giannis to try and bust up the zone and then beef all of these like crazy long armed but skinny heat dudes who are about to get just train wrecked by Giannis. So it was really rough to watch without him out there. Getting cooked by Victor, Victor Oladipo after he was so thirsty to want to play for Milwaukee was not ideal either. Yeah, that fourth quarter was rough. He was just like, he was, I forget who he kept getting. He kept getting steals from either Drew or Joe. I can't remember. It was really rough. He ate their lunch and then just was getting stuff on the other end. Yeah. We we should we should give a shout out to AJ Green who continues mm. his march towards matching and surpassing Kyle Korver's scoring total as a buck. Good <laughs> good good pair of games for AJ. Uh, I still am not a believer in his long term future, but in these games, that's all you can really hope for to keep you watching. Okay, wait. Well, I was going to bring this. I was going to bring this up. How many two way players has AJ Green been more impactful than? For all the of Milwaukee them, Bucks. literally all of them. I can't <laughs> think of any other two-way players Milwaukee has had besides <laughs> okay. Mamo, so. I got, I've, got, I've got some sadly in my head. Joel, Joel Bolenboy, I believe, was a, a oh, two-way that was a great player. time, but no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a vibe. Uh, Javante Smart, do you remember him last year? He yes. Great interview, Kenny. but yep. no. Great interview, yep. <laughs> um, Bronson Koenig, right? Oh, God. <laughs> he didn't play. Uh, let's see. Sandro, 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 Mamu, yeah, Mamu might, might be might be more than Mamu, uh, which is hard for me to admit. Every every Mamu appearance is just a heart. It's, it's a trade wreck. I can't stand <laughs> watching him play. <laughs> He's got the hands of Larry Sanders without the height to like you know offset it. It's just, it's really bad. Oh, yeah, he might God. be the best, most productive. And again, it's a very low bar. He's trying to clear here, but. He can make threes, which is more than a lot of people who have come through the back end of the roster can say. That. He is what he is advertised. He can hit some threes, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he got more minutes than Marjan, both of these Miami games. So, <laughs> I mean, but uh, to be fair, Marjan looked really awful on uh, on yeah. Thursday defensively. It was really bad. Uh, he just looked tired, honestly. He looked like his legs looked completely shot, which... I don't know. I guess that's not exactly what you want from a 21-year-old, but whatever. Um, okay, so those were the Heat games. Uh, anything else about the Miami Heat games we want to put on the record? Um, hilarious that they still have FTX on their court. <laughs> I know they're changing well, that soon, yeah. but that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I was going to say, it's as I was doing the preview, I was like, I know it's FTX. I don't know if it's still FTX. I just had to make a subtle dig that it is some crypto nonsense. And then as soon as like we saw, and as soon as everyone else saw it, it was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Keep it in the preview. And then they're like, oh, we're going to change it to the Miami Dade arena. It's like, yeah, that's what you get for messing with this funny money. Uh, the only other encore thing, the 
Brooke and Bobby pairing, horrible. I, I hate <laughs> like, watch. It's I'm not awesome. sure <laughs> there's a worse big pairing. <laughs> we, we can, <laughs> it's just neither of them are playing to their strengths, and it's just it's really bad. I mean, uh, I mean, Riley, they were just part of a lineup that won them a playoff series last year. You forget that you forget the big three lineup so quickly. Uh-huh, I know I do. <laughs> yeah, but Giannis was there to cover up whatever deficiencies yeah, I, either of them had. <laughs> It's, it was already a little iffy when Giannis is out there. When not Giannis <laughs> is not out there, it goes out the window. So I, I understand that we have to do what we have to do, but it's just more evidence that it's probably not going to be the the pairing to build towards the future with. So, but we knew probably that also more so evidence okay. that you know when we get rid of Surge, we should maybe get another big that could play with one of them. Yeah, yeah. Frank. Um, so. <laughs> The let's do let's do a midseason check in. We there's a roundtable on brewhoop.com that you can go read. Might have some of these same questions, but we'll expound upon them more. There's a few that aren't in there, so I, I would just want to get general feeling to start out with. Kyle, we're what 42 games in. What's just your general sense feeling about the team's performance so far this year? It's weird because if you take out the nine and zero start, this has been a very average pedestrian team, but we also understand that when they want to, they can win any game they decide. They can also lose any game they can decide. It's But they're on track to get a two or three seed in the East, which is what we expected. I think given the injuries that happened to Chris and Joe and even Giannis and Drew with his illness, you're having AJ Green play more minutes than you probably had predicted. You got guys like George Hill and Wes Matthews who seem to be in a cryo chamber and will be opened up come April when needed. I they're doing relatively well. I, I think it's been I, I think they have matched the expectations and were it not for the nine oh start, I think we would have been a little bit happier with how things are going. I think the nine oh start kind of got us all maybe a little bit too overhyped considering the teams that they were beating were not good teams. The strength to continuity and roster building only matters if guys actually like play uh, and they haven't or are able to play in relatively reliable stints or in units and they haven't. And so we've looked ugly at times we've played dumb a lot of the times if we didn't have that nine and zero start and we were just like 500 ish essentially the whole way we'd be looking at like a six seven eight seed and that's not what this team will end up being but um it's to me it's been a bit of a disappointing season if only because i have no idea what to expect at the end of the year and maybe We'll just Chris will be back. It's this is a constant. Chris will be back. Chris will be back. Chris will be back. Until that happens, the season hasn't really begun. It's kind of like Brooke being gone a little bit last year. It's like, well, this is a little different. Maybe we'll get some experimentation, but there's not really any experimentation going on. Like Brooke is different because he plays such a central role, so you have to switch everything tactically when he's gone. Chris, not as much, and so we just kind of are ramming our heads into the wall. Uh, so, you know. If Giannis isn't playing, my uh, interest in watching the game like live right then and there and being really invested goes down pretty quickly. Um, so it's been 
fine if a mild disappointment, um, though I'm willing to continue to hold out hope that we will just turn it on at some point here. So, Do you, do you feel, Kyle, do you feel any differently about their ability to win a championship now than you did at the start of the year? I'm probably slightly more down because, and granted this was more because if they can't clean up the turnovers, I have no faith. And this week, at least the Knicks and Hawks games were encouraging signs that maybe they're going to be a little bit better about it. But it still leaves me very concerned that Milwaukee's offense, which has pretty much been either bad or god-awful most of the season. <laughs> and it's, again, Giannis in, in Sala, basically, and hoping for the best. Probably not the best strategy, and I think that's where my concerns remain. But do I think they can still win a championship? Sure, I still think if they can beat Boston, they can get to the finals. And then who comes out of the West will likely change. Other than Memphis, I feel pretty confident they can beat any team in the West. What about you, Riley? Mm, it's probably taken a bit of a hit, uh, to be honest, just because we don't see a lot of solutions right now, unless it's Giannis generated. Joe Ingles might be a solution to a particular puzzle, which is good to have. That's nice to have on the roster. I just continue to wonder where we go, what this team will become. Uh, if Drew is really playing like above, so Chris is gone. Drew really kind of steps up and takes his numbers to the next level. I think that would really like calm a lot of nerves, but he's also been iffy uh, a lot of the time that he has been out there in and out of the lineup like he was last year. Um, so it's probably taken a bit of a hit because it feels like we're at best running in place and, at least Boston is taking seem to have taken somewhat of a step forward. They kind of been a little iffy as of late, but um, we, I don't think we're for sure. Not the clear cut, like best team in the East. Uh, we might be co best team or vying for it, um, but that's a different place to be in than where we were defending our title. Um, so yeah, it's probably taken a little bit of a hit. It's not at all. Like we can't win the title. We, we certainly could, but it's probably less of a shoe in or not shoe in, but less guaranteed than what I would have felt like going into the season, assuming everybody was healthy. Have you, have you enjoyed this season, Kyle? Eh, sure. It's been fine. Like, <laughs> I guess enjoy might be pushing it, but I, I think it's just, <laughs> yeah. like, do I, there are very few games where I'm like, yes, I'm going to sit down watch this Bucks game and walk away f- with it. Feel like, I had a really good time watching that game. <laughs> but I think there is something to it. I think there's the, like, the Giannis 55-point game. That was fun. Like, you get games like that, or you beat the Raptors, regardless of how ugly it was. It's still a win, and beating the Raptors is fun. There are, there's still times where it's like, okay, at least, I don't hate it. This isn't like the going into the championship season, like the regular season championship season. That was awful because everything felt like, oh, my God, one loss means this team's never going to win a title and Giannis should have left. And, like, the year's going into that. And now it's at least, like, Giannis is still here. We at least have a championship. I, they can definitely win another one. They're still better than most. I think it's because I feel as though they're still better than almost every team in the East besides Boston. 
And I still think they can beat Boston in a seven-game series. So it's I'm trying not to get myself worked up over it. Other than the Christmas uh, regular season game and the Bulls game. Like, those are probably the two games that stood out to me. Like, okay, this is actually pissing me off. How about you, Adam? Have you, have, have you enjoyed the season? Has it entertained you? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that there's, there's a couple problems, I think, with enjoying the, with trying to enjoy this particular season. One is obviously the absence of players, which makes immediate, makes it a lot easier to justify some of the losses, which is, which is fine. Um, the roster continuity is nice, but it also means there's a lot less interesting things night to night to look for. Like the fact that I, the fact that I'm now kind of intrigued when AJ Green is in the game is really sad. And mm-hmm. the fact that I'm treating Joe Ingles like Jesus Christ, our savior is also a little sad, but like, frankly, anytime he's in the game, I, my interest for every single possession peaks up quite a bit. I get upset when they run up and someone is just tosses up a shot and don't even let Joe Ingles try and touch the ball. Like, that kind of stuff, it, it's it's harder night to night to be excited for stuff when there aren't as many new variables in the pot to see how they how they fit in. Um, that's why Marjon's been, probably Marjon and Joe Ingles have been the most exciting stuff for me since they're new. And the, like you said, Riley, the, like the roster experiment, the, the game-to-game experimentation stuff is kind of non-existent now because we, we did it already. Like, we know how to switch. We know how to do all those other things. Like those were pretty easy lifts that should have been done. Um, and it, it's, it's intriguing to watch the, you know, the defense is the biggest change night to night from what past years were, but it doesn't look all that different when you're watching it, despite the fact that they're not giving up as many threes like that is fantastic. But um, couple that with an offense that looks really bad this year. Um, and it, I think it's made it harder to enjoy this year night to night than I can remember past years being. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's, it might be recency. Maybe I was I was kind of disgruntled in past years too. Nobody likes sitting down and watching us shoot two of 50 from three. It's just, <laughs> there's something inherently not enjoyable about that. And in past years, we, we, we would also give up. We'd have like a, an extreme disparity, but also we were so good scoring, like even just inside the arc that it wouldn't matter. We could keep pace anyhow. This year, uh, if the threes are not falling, it's going to be a heavy lift for Giannis primarily. And it's, I wouldn't, it's weird to say that watching Giannis do that is, isn't as fun, but it's, it's because, you know, it's like, he has to do this. Like he's forcing it. He's having to like carry the team on his back, which is less entertaining than when he's like, as part of a functioning offense, like bludgeoning people. So, um, that's, that's the offense sucking is the biggest we're literally like a bottom bottom third of the league offense and in a league where scoring a lot is the reason why you tune into the games. That's not an enticing reason to tune into the games necessarily. I also think there's no intrigue. There's nothing besides Marjan. It's like, there's no one there that makes you want to wonder like, Oh, I'm actually curious to see it. Like everything is a known quantity. Giannis is really, really good. Best player on the planet. Drew is really, really good when he is on his game top defensive guard in the league. Brooke can either bludgeon you down low, hit a bunch of threes and defensively is elite. Like everyone is a relative known quantity. And it's kind of tough to sit here and be like, 
yeah, I know like Pat Compton's either going to hit like five of seven or go one of eight. Like I know that's going to be, yes, Grayson Allen's going to do something boneheaded and then possibly hit like four threes out of nowhere. Bobby is going to be a spark plug on offense. Like everything is so known. There's nothing that makes me wonder like, oh, this is like what I wonder is this guy actually like Marjot? Is he going to continue developing? Is this a step back? Is he a rookie wall? Is he just not good? And you don't really have that with this roster because everyone is old and we know what they are. So it's just a ma- the only question we come to is, are they washed? Which we have so many players that could be on washed watch that it doesn't like maybe that's the thing we should be doing. <laughs> OK, so if we were to say the seasons, at least either in, in Carl, you said this sort of at least met expectations. Riley, you said maybe maybe it's been a little disappointing. If you were to rank these three in terms of who has been most responsible for the season starting out this way between John Horst, Mike Budenholzer, or the players, how would you tier them in terms of who's most responsible to least responsible? I'm putting Bud at three. Yes, I would agree. Because... People have been clamoring for the Joe Ingles, the Marjan minutes, the the damn AG Green minutes. They don't want to see George Hill, but said, fine, we're not going to see George Hill for <laughs> six months then. <laughs> so, uh, but is but is the least responsible. You can quibble with his in-game stuff, but he's he's giving the people the minutes that they want from the random dudes that they would like to see. So Bud is probably least responsible. Yeah, I put Bud at three also because it's like, how are you supposed to know what he's supposed to be doing if he doesn't have the full team that he needs? Because it seems as one of Joe, Giannis, Chris, or Drew, it seems as though two of them are out, which two we never know, but he has not had the four of them really at all. So it's kind of hard to tell, like, this is how the team's going to look. So I can't really blame Bud. Like, yeah, maybe he's a little bit too lackadaisical in the regular season. It's regular season. So I'll put him at three. I'll do John Horse two because he did. He is the guy that gets the guys in here. He is the one that has to work with a limited cap space. So he's got to pretty much scrape the bottom of the barrel. And he had one, like he had a couple draft picks. He made his draft pick with Marjan. Doesn't seem to be a complete bust. So good job, especially at 24. You're not expected to get much. He maybe he could be at fault for bringing in, bringing back too many guys from the team last year. But at the same time, how many other vet men guys? It's like if you're going to get a bunch of vet minimum guys, get the guys that at least know what the hell's going on. And Joe Ingle, I don't know. Like, I, I guess Horse, I put second of the players because. You know, there Bud's not the one that's getting twenty something turnovers a game. It seems like Bud's not the one that's chucking up twenty threes, only making two of them. You know, it, Bud's not the one that's pr- like Bud has some responsibility in Giannis having to do everything. But if everyone else would contribute, maybe Giannis wouldn't feel like he has to do it all. So I'll go players one, horse two, Bud three. I'd switch players and horse if only because. Horst's inability to hit on draft picks is now coming into the fact that we have 33, 34, 35, 36 year old guys who we just, I mean, how many times do I have to say George Hill and Wes Matthews are back again, 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 (laughs) like this is part three electric boogaloo of those two guys, because as Kyle said, getting, getting veterans to come to Milwaukee it doesn't seem outside of Marvin Williams, who was a hell of a get, but it doesn't seem like we're like the Giannis effect, the go win a ring effect has really paid off as yet. Um, and, you know, I, I think 
Horst has to kind of be responsible for that to a certain extent. Um, his best draft pick before Marjan and who knows how it's going to work was, was Dante and Dante's not on the team. And so like horse, most exciting thing he has to throw at me right now are two second round picks that might go to a trade somewhere. Um, so I would probably say horse first and also everybody's anxieties about how old we are. What exactly are we going to do? Like in the future, what, what is this going to end up turning into? All that falls on him as well. So I would probably say John Horst one, players two, because the players for the most part are either playing way above what we should expect them to, um, or they should be like, you're the 10th guy in the rotation or the 11th guy in the rotation. Or right now you're the sixth guy, you're the fifth guy, you're the seventh guy. So um, I blame, blame, blame is a strong word, but I would assign Horst number one responsibility for it being a bit of a disappointment, players two, but number three. Yeah, it's kind of tough because... I also feel like we went into the off scenes like, okay, bring back Bobby, do that. I don't care. And then he did that. I was like, all right, great. And he got Pat Connaughton a new deal, which was shocking. And it was kind of one of those that no one was upset about it, but also no one was really in love with it. So it was kind of like your two big off season moves this year. I think Riley, you say like the lack of draft success is definitely now showing when your first pick, when his first draft pick was DJ Wilson, and that didn't work out, and then you have Dante, who was okay, but pretty much had to package him in order to get off of Shemi Ojale and um, Rodney Hood. Like pretty much used Dante to get off of that to get Serge Ibaka in those draft picks. It's like, all right, and then he used all the draft picks to get Drew, which good job on that, and he got Drew his contract. So I mean, there were definitely pros where it's like he got the ring with his gamble but it is showing that that gamble while it did work out for milwaukee it we're seeing the repercussions of that people are literally we're literally counting down the days until jordan war could be traded which is today happy jordan war can be traded day um but yeah like again another guy he picked another guy he gave another contract to people are like let's Come on, let's get to let's move this guy on. You know that's that's not that's not good uh, when that's the case. Say, Mamu is one thing because he's just a two way player, so he can be insane and talk about how he's like the greatest player ever, and it and should be playing ahead of Surge. Yeah, and well, and like in tweets, where should be. be. Um, but yeah, so that's that's not good uh, when I'm actively hoping that horse one of his quote unquote guys can get moved on to give me literally anyone else. So. Okay, well, speaking of horse, do you we're less than a month out now. Do you see a trade happening, Kyle, before the trade deadline? Uh sure. I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if there was like a Serge Ibaka and Jordan Wara for some dude I've never heard of, or about to draft like maybe two second rounders. Like, I don't think it's going to be a oh, Milwaukee's really making a statement of intent kind of trade. It's going to be kind of a well, we got this guy that doesn't want to be here. Let's see if we can get literally cash or uh, per- the most protected second round pick in the history of mankind. So sure, there'll be a trade. It's just not going to, I'm going to see that. And then I'll be like, do we really need to do a newser for this? <laughs> yes, you do actually. I mean, yes, we do. <laughs> but I'll also be like, I'm not writing it. <laughs> uh, I sure as hell hope there's a trade coming. Cause I'm looking at the roster now and I count like, four or five guys I trust to 
do something in the playoffs. So oh, well, so, okay, save it for the pick your yeah, 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 the next day. <laughs> no, okay. no, I, I think absolutely. Um, there's going to be a trading coming. There's outside of trading him, there was literally zero reason to bring Jordan Wara back and pay him as much as we did. I think Javon Carter would be decent throwing because he's got he doesn't have a no trade clause. He's a two year. Um, uh, who else? Joe or not Joe Ingles, uh, Serge Ibaka has a little bit of money. Obviously George Hill, like there's enough there that you should be able to throw together to get, even if it's like an Alec Burks, like that level of player, it doesn't have to be huge. It's not going to be huge because we don't have the assets to do it, but we have enough there to get like a guy who might be able to play off the bench. And so I, I anticipate fully that I think horse has done a trade every single season. He, he takes yeah. after John Hammond that way. He doesn't, he, always this trading. So I, I expect a trade to come for sure. All right. This is the midseason Buxy for most dispiriting loss of the first half of the season. These are the nominees. The Bulls late game disaster. <laughs> the Charlotte 138 to 109 pummeling. The 142 to 101 destruction by Memphis. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Christmas Day Boston beatdown. Um and you know what? I'm going to leave it at that. There, 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 there might be a few other you could throw in, but let's leave it at that. Four, four nominees. Man, there's this is a strong, strong showing uh, this year in this year's pack. So we have to. All of them are deserving <laughs> nominees. They really <laughs> are, because I'm like I can see myself giving each of these games a reason. Um, honestly, I think the the 142 101 destruction by Memphis. Because that one was just like they looked bad, and like it was just like everyone looked bad. The team, I think, was the healthiest it had been all year. Chris looked garbage, like everyone was bad, and they looked old. Like, this was one of those, like, yeah, the ups, young upstart really uh showing the old man that he is old and needs to retire two years ago, kind of thing. It's like when it's like a young boxer facing an old dude boxing, it's like. This feels like elder abuse, and this and that's what this game was. So I'm going to go the 142 101 destruction. Uh, that's a good. I, I would. That's a really good case for it. I'm going to say the Christmas Day game because I hate losing on national TV and getting clowned while we're doing it. Uh, we had happened against the Celtics. It happened against Philly. Uh, I think two years previous. So I do not three years, enjoy because yeah, Sterling was previous. bored. I was like, yeah. oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Have fun with that game. I'm not yeah. gonna. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I do not like getting clowned on national TV because uh, we were never on national TV. So when we're there, I'd rather win, and especially against the Celtics who uh, ended up stomping us. They kind of just methodically pulled away. And anybody who was like, let's see how we test the Celtics against the Bucks," and wanted a cowboy feeling very strong. Again, Chris not being there, but uh, not great. <laughs> just felt like a continuation of the playoff series. I would say the Christmas Day game is my biggest loss, my Bucksy. Okay. I think those are the, the two best ones. I, I, I think the Charlotte deserves some mention, though, given the offense finally looked um, – they hit a bunch of threes and they lost by 30 to a team that sucks ass. I mean, <laughs> that is wild. I, I am blaming the tiredness from the nonsense of the war criminals actions in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and I wouldn't say it's that the team is so bad. It was so weird. It's probably not the most dispiriting. I think the most dispiriting was like might have been the one you said, Kyle, because Chris Middleton played terrible. 
and everyone was all psyched <laughs> for that game and then they just get totally destroyed oh god was that the one was that one where dark chris emerged and he started trying to take yes. this out or whatever <laughs> yep <laughs> and that happened like within the first like five minutes of the game <laughs> Yeah, that game really did have everything. Yeah, that's it, that's a really strong nominee yeah. for sure. Uh, I mean, the Bulls one was just frustrating. I feel like if the Bulls one was not against the Bulls, I wouldn't have been as annoyed. But it was the Bulls, and it was the manner in which they let it collapse. But yeah, uh, and then the and Bulls then Demar DeRozan, then Demar DeRozan got to be like Grayson Allen's dirty again after the game. He's like, oh, right. it never ends. <laughs> No, really strong nominees, Adam. This is a good, good selection. Group of well, and we're we're only halfway through the year, so there will be even more. <laughs> the end of the year. That's sure. great. Uh, uh, okay, last last question. We'll do this. We do this every twenty games or so. Pick your eight. It's it's game seven. Of game <laughs> seven <laughs> against Boston. Nice. We're gonna say we have eight people that Bud's gonna trust. That you you are Bud in this scenario, uh, Ryler. You were alluding to it earlier. Should, tell me your eight man playoff rotation right now. <laughs> Win or go home game against Ooh, Boston. Man, we're going home. Uh, My only question is: Chris healthy? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's assume okay. the whole roster is available to all Bud. All right. All right. Cool. cool. Okay. So s- starters as they are depends on the matchup for Grayson, but presumably Drew, Giannis, Chris, Brooke, guaranteed for lock them all. Yep. In. Yes. No yeah. Joe Ingles, as of recent vintage, he will make the list. Grayson will make the list to see. Grayson will be the, um, oh my God, why can't I remember his name right now? Uh, really short guy who is the who is a gunner for us. Bryn for, Forbes. Uh, Bryn Forbes. He's the Bryn Forbes. If he makes the threes, he stays. If he doesn't and it's going bad, got to yank him. Um I haven't seen George Hill in two months, but George Hill's making it because I don't trust Javon. Um, God. Oh, <laughs> my God. And Bobby. There's there's my eight, I guess. Who okay, who else? So. Who am I missing here? Wes. Wes doesn't shoot anymore. At least George might shoot. Wes doesn't, literally doesn't shoot. What about Pat? Oh, yeah. I forgot about Pat. Um, okay. Put in. Okay. Put in Pat instead of george but pat will be the like george will be if grayson doesn't have it then pat takes grayson's spot and then george gets upgraded so that's kind of cheating a little bit but um yeah, it yeah is. i guess okay. i'm demoting george i'll demote george. <laughs> all right so yeah brooke Giannis, drew chris bobby joe Ingles, pat Connaughton. you know what just let's just throw aj green in there why not <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yes, that's a good choice. Look, if good I'm shout. gonna get, if I'm relying on Grace Allen to not hit shots and be defensively bad, let me at least get a better. Sh- let me get someone that I have a little bit more faith in shooting the ball. Wow. What, about, what about you? Adam? I will Who's take. Your... I will take the four minutes of ridiculous AJ Green attempts, and if it doesn't work, fine. We roll with seven. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sick to my stomach that that Kyle just suggested that, and I I started to <laughs> rationalize it really quickly in my head. I, I I feel sick. That is disgusting. Oh, God. Um, I I mean the 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 core four, I think for sure. I think Pat. I'm, I I I don't care that Pat can't shoot right now. I just I trust him. I trust him with my life. We need to trust him with the team's life until until he really sucks. I I think he deserves to be in. Um, yep. Joe, 
I'm I'm just riding with Joe. I think he's absolutely you you just are gonna need him out there. God, that's only six. Holy shit. <laughs> it <laughs> drops two more. It drops real quick. Yeah. Um Wes. Wes bringing him out of uh out of retirement and I guess I guess we're gonna need Bobby. I th- I think Bobby. I although I, I, I could see a scenario where Bobby is getting cut and we they in case they go really small and Bobby loses out on some minutes. But I think I think they're gonna realize they cannot beat the Celtics by scoring and they need to just go crazy, junk it up defense as much as possible. And that's why I put Wes in over Grayson. Yeah. Pat has the potential more than I would say Grayson of being able to fit within a quote unquote, more flowing offense. Um, The decision-making might be a little bit quicker than Grayson, even if they are like Grayson's a better shooter percentage wise right now. I think Pat might be a quicker decision maker and Joe Ingles. If we're going to be doing total garbage ball, just like all it is is defense Joe Ingles might be able to generate enough Garbo buckets for other people to like, this will get us over the line. So yeah, I think Joe Ingles has to make the cut right now. Oh, it's, it's, oh boy. This I can't be, wait for the, you just had someone where just like, I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Okay. All right. Well, let's take an ad break on the other side of this. We'll do our miscellaneous topics. Close it out. Stay tuned. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, Riley, you have a... Uh... You have uh, something. You have something you've cooked up. <laughs> yeah. a, a long podcast gets even longer, folks. Uh, we're gonna throw rapid fire to the side. We're doing a quiz tonight. I wanted to have us come together and realize that even if we're struggling a little bit now, there were immensely darker days in the semi near past uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm gonna be testing Kyle and Adam against each other. Um, the task tonight, November third, twenty twelve. The Bucks win over the Cleveland Cavaliers 105-102 on their season home opener. Joy or George uh Herb Cole was notorious for wanting every home opener to be on a Saturday so the crowd could get out there. What I want you guys to do is to name me as many of the 11 Bucks that play that night. If you can every starter you get gets you one point every bench guy you get gets you two points. Okay. So <laughs> that's we're going to see and we're going to do it so I'm going to do um kyle you call heads or tails for me tails okay i think it's flipping right now it is heads adam do you want to go first or you want to go second 
Uh, second. Okay. <laughs> I will keep track here. Um, and if you guys start going into the mud, uh, I will start throwing you some hints. This is the 2012-2013 season. <laughs> Um, and, and I hope this doesn't take 30 minutes. So Kyle, you get the first guess. Um, again, five starters and uh, six guys off of the bench. And just one more, Scott Skiles was still the coach. Uh, the record at the end of the year was 38 and 44, but this was the second game of the season, I believe. Um, John Henson. Oh, got to roll down. John Henson, not on the list. John Henson yeah. is not there. Do I, does it go to Adam then? Or do now I it goes to going? Adam, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings, that is one point. He uh, he hit the game winner uh, at the very last <laughs> second to, <laughs> to win the game. And I was in attendance, and it was it was amazing. So uh, oh, that's why this is getting picked out. All right, Kyle, over to you. Okay. Um, Monte Alice. Montellus, he is off the board as well. That is two starters down, one point for each of you. Adam, to you. Uh, Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders off the bench, eight of nine, seven rebounds, four blocks, six fouls. He fouled out at the end of the game, of course. (laughs) Of course, goes out saying. And if you watch the clip of this, he gets the crowd really going with Brandon, uh, hits the game winner. But uh, he is off the bench, um, and that is two points, Adam. So you're up to three points now, Adam. Okay. Epke Udo. Another bench guy. We're tied at three here. Okay. This is I'm thinking, good. okay, but this was right after that Boga trade. So who was who was part <laughs> of those players on that trade? Hopefully we're starting to kind of zone in a little bit on who was playing. Okay. So uh two starters, two bench guys off the board. Adam to you. Oh god, I'm zoning out now. Uh Miroslav Radulka. <laughs> Not on the if he was on the roster, he didn't suit up. He did not play that game. Urson, uh, Urson started. He also Kyle's up, to, <laughs> Kyle's up to four points. I was like, so our, you know what? In doubt, let's go with Urson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Brandon, Monte, and Urson are off the board as starters. We have two more starters left. Oh man. I think he signed the year after, so I think I'm wrong. But OJ Mayo, no? Nope, no OJ Mayo. Um, we'll give we'll give each of you one more, and then I'll start giving some hints. And then we'll kind of have it up for grabs for whoever wants to grab it. Gary Neal? Nope, Gary Neal off the yeah. board. Uh, Adam, you All get right. one more guess, and then we'll start going to hints. Hmm. Gosh, uh... <laughs> I know. I'm like, um... <laughs> I can start. Okay, I'll start. I'll start yeah. doing some. I'll start doing yeah. some hints now. Um, so we'll we'll knock out the starters first. This is if you get it, just say it out loud, and we'll see who gets it. Time. Um, I believe he got traded at the trade deadline in a controversial trade that had everybody. Oh, Tobias Harris. Around. Tobias Harris. Okay, four uh-huh. points for Adam now. So tied at four and four. Um, the starting center. I think this is his only season in Milwaukee. I'm double-checking that right now just to make sure. It was his only season in Milwaukee. He came from Houston the year previous. Uh, he oh, Samuel Dallin there. 
Samuel oh. D'Alembert were up to I thought he was much l- like way back. <laughs> no, 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 this was this was Sam's one season with the Bucks. Okay, now we're back. Now we're on to the uh, the bench guys. There are one, two, three. There are four bench guys left. Uh, it is five for Kyle, four for Adam. First bench guy, um, son of a former coach of the Bucks, um, Mike Dunleavy. Mike Dunleavy. Kyle is up to six. Uh, he went 10 of 12, uh, six of seven from three with 12 rebounds, 29 points. He was the leading scorer for the night for the Bucks. Wow. Um, this guy ended up in Memphis. He was kind of like, um, let's see here. Where's he from? Slovenian um, guard. Oh. oh, I know who this is. I can't think of the name, though. He was part of the Tobias Harris trade. He went to Orlando with oh. Tobias. He had one, two, he had three more NBA seasons after this. I um, started his started his career with San Antonio. Bino Udre? Yes, there it is. Bino Udre. We are, That's oh. his name. I was like, I know I, I can recognize, it, yeah. but I could not. All okay, right. Let's see here. So we're down to two more, and these are gonna be some deep cuts. One of them, a University of Minnesota legend. Joel Prisbilla, my guy. <laughs> Joel Prisbilla. Oh okay, I think Kyle might my have guy. Lost it up there. The final one, um, second round pick, was supposed to be a shooter, didn't make a single damn three, or at least it felt like. Um, Steve Von Horn had a running joke where every time you, he would hit a three, you'd have to release doves. Remember that being See, a I feel joke like this would have been Rashad Vaughn, but it, second round pick is what's throwing he, me off. Plus, Rashad was, I know Rashad Vaughn was later. <laughs> he was the prototype to Rashad Vaughn. Um, he, Kentucky, was the college he came from. Oh, Deron Lamb. Deron Lamb yeah. for Adam. There we go. We have everybody. I think Kyle edged it by a point, but you guys did pretty damn well. So Brandon Jennings, Monte Ellis, Ersan, Ilisova, Tobias Harris, Sam Dallenberg, your starters off the bench, Mike Dunleavy, Larry, oh, Epe Udo, Benio Udre, Joel Prisbilla, and Deron Lamb. A couple other guys. Drew Gooden did not play. <laughs> he was on the roster, though. And so did, was Marcus but, Daniels. So wait, did John Henson just not suit up? Uh, I would have to look. I would assume. Because I feel so. like because this is the year before Giannis, right? Uh, yes, this would have been the year before Giannis because we had um Jim Boylan coach us down okay. the stretch. Yeah, let's see, yeah, John really Henson. Maybe John he, rookie. He, was, he was he was hurt. a rookie. He was a rookie, so he oh, probably yeah. Scott Skiles was a player. Scott Skiles. <laughs> There's no way he was playing. Scott Skiles was a player. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a fun quiz. I enjoyed that personally. Oh, so uh, good job, guys. <laughs> Wow. I'm we not surprised we, at how many we got without hints. We have it pretty good, Bucks fans. Thanks, Riley, for that reminder. Um, okay, predictions for the week. Three games, home against the Pacers, 2.30 game, reminder. Uh, home against the Raptors the day after. And oh, then there's a three-day break and at the Cavaliers on Saturday. So kind of a strange week. Kyle, what say you? <laughs> The fact that they're playing the Raptors immediately again the next day is giving me flashbacks. Two and one. Uh, beat the Pacers and Raptors at home and then lose to the Cavs on the road. I think we'll go three and oh. I think Indy is down Tyrese Halliburton. That doesn't mean they're totally rollovers, but I think they're also missing Miles Turner. So they're missing a couple of key guys. Giannis got a couple of days of rest. He'll be back. Um, I think Giannis will play in both back-to-back games and then the Cavs it'll be a good test hopefully I hope Chris is back soon it would be great to have him in the mix at some point but I think we'll win all three games 
I like the positivity. I, I, I should mention, on the ESPN broadcast, the sideline reporter threw out at Cavaliers as a possible return date. Obviously, I mean, Reed, I assume, you know, I put, like, basically no credence into that, but she did. they did throw that out on the broadcast, which I thought was kind of interesting. And so. he has done five-on-five five work, so... Yeah. Do we play the Cavs in May? When do we play the Do we play the Cavs in April? Did she say which Cavs game? (laughs) Very, very good point. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two and one. I think. uh, I think. I think they might lose to the Raptors, and it's gonna be awful. But um, I think they'll beat the Cavs on Saturday. It'll be after that three day break. So some positive vibes there. And uh, it's midway through the year. So we're halfway through another Buck season, halfway closer to the playoffs and some really, really meaningful basketball. So stay tuned to brewhoop.com for all our usual coverage. You can check out some midseason content there, our roundtable. Uh, Drew had put up his uh, halftime quarterly report. Kyle put up what we learned in December, which is always a good read, and we'll have all our usual stuff. Share the podcast with your friends. Thanks to everyone for listening.